You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Uh, It's good to be with you this morning as we start this new worship series, The Irrational Kingdom. As we dive into the parables of Jesus, some of them will be familiar if you spent some time in the church. Some of them might not be familiar. Uh, So let's dive in. Our scripture lesson today uh, comes from the Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse. Uh, It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Again, he began to teach beside the lake. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the lake and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the lake on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly and since it had no depth of and it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away Other seed fell along the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, Let any that yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, Let anyone with ears to hear Listen. When he was alone, those who were around him, along with the twelve, asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Huh, do, do, you not, do you not understand the parable? Then, then how will you understand all the parables? The sower is the word, and these are the ones on the path where the word is sown. They hear, and Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And, and these are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. When, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root and endure it only for a while. Then, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but because of the cares of the world and and there's the lure of wealth and desire and other things come in and choke out the the word and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 and 60 and a hundredfold. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, be good soil. Amen. 
Our sermon response uh, today, Tommy will be, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But have you not, I mean, if you've been, if you spent some time in the church, and if you're familiar with this parable, maybe you've heard that. Some schmo uh, preaches for about 25 minutes and always lands the plane in just be good soil. But Jesus takes a lot of real estate to get to that conclusion if that is what the parable means. You would think that Jesus, especially in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is on the move and it's really short and Jesus is terse, you might imagine Jesus saying like, hey, be good soil and you will produce what God is calling you to produce. Moving on. The other parables in that chapter are the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like yeast. The kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. But here in this parable, it's extended. It takes a long time to get to the point. So when you hear a sermon that says, just be good soil, be good soil, it's often preached from someone who considers themselves to be good soil, and that's bold. Or, or good soil is, it means to join a small group and to tithe and to get involved with mission, and then you'll be good soil. Now, hear me, friends, none of that is bad. <laughs> I would I'd be thrilled if you joined one of our small groups that meets at nine o'clock. I would love for you to tithe. You'll be hearing more about that in a couple weeks, our stewardship campaign. I'm not going to tell you when, so you have to come and you'll be surprised by it. But in just a couple weeks, we're going to have our stewardship campaign. I would love for you to sign up and get connected with, with Arizona or, or our Arizona trip or, or the Katie Build tournament that you're going to hear about later today. These are good things. These are great things, in fact. But that's not what the parable is about, and I really wish it was. It would make my job much easier and my sermon much shorter. I could go down the list of the different kinds of soil of what not to be, which usually ends up to being a sermon like, don't be like this person and that person and that person. Now, there is a parable about that. It's called the publican and the sinner. There was a guy who was preaching out loud saying, thank God I'm not like those people. I tithe, I give, I fast twice a week. But then the sinner who met in private beat his chest, did not look up to the heavens and asked for mercy. And Jesus says, yeah, it was that one who went home justified. I'd love to say that after a sermon like this, we can say Asbury is good soil and the people of Asbury are good soil and then we will all feel very good and go to lunch. But Jesus' parables present an upside-down, topsy-turvy inbreaking of God's presence in the world that sometimes seems absolutely irrational. In this story, there is a farmer, a sower, who is flinging seed everywhere. What a waste of capital to plant seeds in the midst of thorns. It seems like the farmer forgot a step. And next week, uh, we're going to hear a story, a man had two sons, right? The younger son squandered everything, and the older son didn't want to share anything. And yet the father welcomed them under the same roof, in fact, through a party. What kind of dad? I thought there were consequences to our actions. Where's the discipline? Okay, preacher, we get it. So what's going on here? Well, it's back to school Sunday, so let's get back to school. Let's get after it. Imagine taking a pen with yellow ink and writing, this sentence is yellow. That sentence now 
becomes a self-referential truth. What is written is what is. When I was in third grade, I was a huge fan of writing short stories. You know when other kids were like playing outside and making friends? Um, I, I wrote short stories at home. Uh, and that's the weirdness that you're dealing with. Uh, one of my first stories it was called My Experience in Hell Part Two. And I don't think there was a part one. Like, let's just leave the audience guessing, right? You know, it's like Star Wars starting with episode four, right? There's this whole backstory that you just have to figure out, right? Uh, another story I wrote was called Screaming Balls, about tennis balls. Get your mind right. It was about tennis balls, and they were tired of getting hit around. So, so they unionized and quit. <laughs> oh, boy, that's a piece of work. Um, and then my, my dad's favorite story that I wrote was, uh, it was like an Indiana Jones kind of story where he was in the, it was in the Amazon and, and uh, he, was, he was chronicling all the things that he saw and then he started getting eaten by a snake. So at the very end of the story, the words got really labored and, and it ended with a bunch of M's and dot, 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 right? What a weirdo, right? But what was happening in the story is was, was the way it was written is what was happening, right? It is, this sentence is yellow. It is self-referential. It's kind of like the never-ending, turn around, look at what you see, the never-ending story, right? He's about, are you familiar with never-ending story? Good? Uh, sure, okay. <laughs> it's brave enough to, it's a fine piece of art. <laughs> um, so uh, in this story, a kid named Sebastian is reading this book, and as he's reading, he's realizing that the story is happening as he's reading, and he's a character in the story. And to that end, if you've seen the movie, what, what was wrong with this in the 80s? This movie is absolutely terrifying, right? It was PG, like I saw it in the theater. And like, there's this giant wolf at the end that does the bidding of the nothing. That's terrifying. His horse, Artax, gets swallowed by the swamp of sorrow. It's, it's the foundation of my generation's need for therapy, is, is that scene where the horse gets, because the horse is sad, the horse gets swallowed by the swamp, right? It's crazy. What was wrong with us in the 80s? That should not be PG, right? It's, it, it sets the tone for our entire generation. But what is happening in the story, as you read it, is what's happening. This parable is self-referential. On the one hand, this parable has absolutely nothing to do with soil. Or certainly different kinds of soil. Understand the Gospel of Mark is very brief, it is short, it is to the point. Jesus uh, is immediately, he's moving, he's always, he doesn't stay in one place for very long. But here we have this long extended, I read that it's 20 verses, this long extended parable. In the midst of other parables like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, period, exclamation point. Why? Why is this one so long? Jesus tells this intricate parable and the disciples pull him off to the side and say, we, we don't get it. And this is what Jesus says, to you has been given, the, to you, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those who are outside, everything comes in parables 
in order that they may indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, and that they may turn again and be forgiven. And the parables, they, they ask Jesus, well, can, can you explain it? And Jesus loves goes, do you, do you, I'm sorry, do you not understand this parable? Well, isn't that interesting? Disciples, I thought you were on the inside. I thought you were following me. I thought you were the ones who were leaving your nets and leaving everything behind and, defi- and you don't understand what the parable means. That's interesting. Hmm. What's beginning to happen And we see this over and over again in the Gospel of John is those who think that they are on the inside are not. Mark, the Gospel of Mark. So Christy's here. She always gives me cues when I misspeak. She's like, it's Mark. Thank you, Mark. I'll edit that in the podcast. It's fine. The Gospel of Mark, we see this over and over and over again where those who think they are on the inside are actually on the outside. And then later, what we will discover is those who are perceived to be on the outside quite understand Jesus well. For example, at the end of this chapter, chapter, at the end of this chapter, Jesus is in a boat with the disciples, and there's a big storm that arose, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Naps are important. I'm a very big fan of naps. Jesus took them. And the boat is taking on water and the disciples start to freak out like, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus wakes up. He goes, you have little faith. And he calms the storm. And the disciples say, who is this? (laughs) Who even nature understands. They don't get it. They don't understand. They don't perceive And that's part of the point that the insiders, those who believe that they are inside, those who think that they are inside, just keep missing Jesus. And that should be a lesson to all of us, robes included. But then something else happens. So maybe maybe it is about the soil. So let's look at the parable again. Listen, a sower went and Jesus starts by listen. He's hold on, behold, listen up. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil, brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And now the explanation. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So, technically, it's not their fault. The seed was taken from them. It said that the birds of the air ate up the seed. Are we not supposed to feed birds? Feed the birds, tuppence a bag. Yeah? That's curious. Why is that an example of something that, it, that, that you shouldn't be? And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure it only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the world, immediately they fall away. In this case, it sounds like they are not part of a community and they are going at it alone. When they 
find hardship and trial, they are unsupported by the rest of the community. So it's really, it's really not their fault either. And others who are sown among the thorns, these are the ones who hear the word, but cares of the world and lure of wealth and desire for other things comes in and chokes the word and it yields nothing. I mean, thorns, the, the point of thorns, in any biology teacher, the point of thorns is to actually ward off predators. That's why thorns exist. Or, or maybe, maybe, we're really, maybe we're really talking about, about weeds. So what good farmer in his right mind is not going to weed the flower bed before planting something that he wants to see grow? Seems like the farmer skipped a step. So it's really not, it's really not their fault either. And there are ones sown on good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 and 60 and 100 fold. So if it's not, it's not the first category's fault, it's not the second category's fault, it's not the third category's fault, why do we think when we're good soil it's our fault? So just be good soil, right? Keep reading. Not only does this parable reveal that outsiders are insiders and insiders are outsiders, but it's a foreshadowing of what is about to happen in Mark's gospel. In other words, it's not about being good soil, it's about being on the lookout for good soil. Because that is where God is working. It's like the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. The point of the Beatitudes is not to become poor or to become meek. The point is, if you're building a kingdom and the poor aren't welcomed, you need to reassess what you're building. If you're building a kingdom and the meek are not allowed in, you need to reassess what you are building. So what does happen next in Mark's gospel? Mark chapter 5. Isn't it interesting that Jesus just describes three different kinds of soil, and then in Mark chapter 5, the very next chapter, there are three healings that happen. And in each one of those healings, someone's angry with Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Jesus goes to the, the land of the Gennesarets. Uh, there's, there's, it's called the Gerasene demoniac. It's a man who's living among the tombs and he is, he's a wild man and he, they can't restrain him. They can't contain him. He's out of his mind. He's possessed. So Jesus goes and heals him. And the demon that is within him, legion, right? Legion that is within him says, please, Jesus, put us into the pigs. We, we don't want to be, we don't want to be dismayed. Just send us to the pigs. And Jesus says, okay. So he puts him in the pigs and the pigs jump off a cliff into the ocean and drown. Now the story sounds like, oh my God, look at this miracle. Jesus, because the man was in his right mind and he was calm. And he, Jesus says, go back home to your family. But if you're a pig farmer, that's a bad day. All of your capital just jumped off a ledge into the ocean. The good soil is this man who was healed by Jesus. But then there are those who care much more about pigs and profit than people. And they tell Jesus to get and don't come back. Sounds like Satan snatching seeds away that could have been fruitful. Well, next, Jesus, uh, uh, Jairus' daughter is not well, so Jesus, they ask him to go and heal Jairus' daughter. Great, so Jesus starts traveling, but while he's traveling, 
there's such a crowd. They're around him and they're like choking him out. They're just so close to him. And there's a woman there who had been suffering for 12 years. And she goes, if I could just, if I could just touch his garment, if I could just touch his garment, touches the garment and she is healed. And I love this, love that, you know, my, well, <laughs> uh, my first Sunday here at Asbury, one of the Sunday school classes asked me, all right, preacher, my first Sunday, no pressure. Was Jesus perfect? So after throwing up a little bit in my mouth at such a question, I was like, well, there are times in scripture where Jesus doesn't know everything. So I guess not. And they said, right answer. Here, a woman touches his cloak and he says, who touched me? He turned around, who touched me? And the crowd's saying, what do you mean who touched you? There's thousands of people around you. And the courage of this woman to admit that she was unclean in the midst of all of those people to say it was me. And Jesus looked at her in the face and said, daughter, your faith has made you well. When was the last time she's heard that language of someone calling her daughter? I don't know. Daughter, your faith has made you well. So here, who's the good soil? This woman who was healed by Jesus. But it also sounds like there were a bunch of thorns around him trying to prevent those who need Jesus to getting to Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, the crowd is not a good thing. And then Jesus gets to Jairus' home and they receive word that his daughter is dead. So they said, Jesus, don't worry about it. She's dead. And there's weeping and wailing and there's gnashing of teeth and there's big rigmarole, right? And Jesus says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And they laugh. They laugh at Jesus. So Jesus kicked them all out. So be careful of church council. If you start laughing at a plan, right? There's precedence, right? Jesus, he kicked them all out. And they went to the girl and said, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. And she does. And he says, give her something to eat. Where is the good soil? But the young woman who was dead, who was brought to life, 30, 60, 100 fold abundance. And the rest who were there sounded very shallow with no roots indeed. And when trial was there, they said, don't worry about it, Jesus. She's dead. Forget it. Give up. So do you hear what's happening? Who's the good soil? But the man who was possessed. That is where there was an abundance of God at work. And that rocky soil who cared more about pigs than people. Who's the good soil but the woman who was suffering and the thorns of a crowd that were choking out the good news? Who's the good soil except the girl that was dead who was brought back to life and the shallow, unrooted people who didn't trust that Christ had the power and the authority to bring the dead back to life? Who's the good soil? Not those who have everything together, not those who make good grades, who work out three times a day and whose retirement has weathered inflation. Who's the good soil but those who are possessed, suffering, and dead? It's not about being good soil. It's about being on the lookout for good soil, to see where God is at work. Where is transformation happening? Where are lives being changed? Where are the dead being brought back to life? Let us be found in those places. And those places just might surprise us. The Pharisees called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard because he was always in these places. <laughs> always with the wrong kind of people. And I pray that Asbury is known for being with the wrong kind of people. 
Because that is where God is at work. You know, it's not mentioned in the parable. It sounds like the parable ends early. Because it said the good soul heard the word and it produced 30, 60, 100 fold. What is not mentioned is the rest of the parable because that is our job. Our job is to harvest what God is doing. The point of the parable is not to try to be good soil. The point of the parable is not to be better than your neighbor. The point of the parable is to be in these places where God is at work, where transformation is happening, and to bring the harvest in. It's going to take more than one person. Did you not hear? It's 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Go out into the world in these places. Stop worrying about being good soil and start searching for the harvest that we are called to share. And I pray that that is our never-ending story. I pray that that, while we are serving, becomes our story. I pray that Asbury is a place that others think we're just, we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Hmm. May we be on the lookout for good soil, and it just might surprise us where we find it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.